Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, church. It's good to see you. I am blessed to be here with you. I'm uh, just thankful that we get to share the experience of just worshiping God together in this place. It's a, it is truly um, what I look forward to in our weeks. And as I look around and I see your smiles, I see your faces, and I just know who you are and your and your. Uh, just your giftings and what God is doing in you and through you, it's, I can stand up here and I can just see God in you and his presence is real. It's a big faith booster for me just to be able to have this relationship with you and just an honor to share life. I, uh, I just can't express to you what a joy it is to be up here. So I just want to say thank you. It's awesome. You know, I want to, uh, Start out by, I, I don't know if she's in here, but uh, just kind of recognizing my niece, uh, Lexi. Where is she? Oh, front row. That's why I didn't see you. You're back there. No. Lexi, uh, boy, she's a track star. And she, had, she went to uh, BYU yesterday with a region, state track meet. And she was, uh, she's a fast girl. We find out that she won first place in the 300. I'm looking over here, but yeah. 300 raised the two, 200, 100, second. Listen, she's a fast girl. That's what I'm trying to say. In fact, she, uh, she is 5A, 6A. She is faster in the 300 than any other person. Is that right, 300? The whole state of Utah. Wow. Did I get that right, Mom, Dad? Hurdles. Even, geez, I tell you. So, you know, Lexi, what are you doing? You need to be over by your parents, Lexi. Come on now. I'm excited for her. She's, she's a, Lexi, I'm proud of you. As your uncle, I just see God doing the good, the good things in you. I see that. I see that he's given you a spirit of excitement and energy and joy. And what he has placed in you is a natural gifting that he's given in you, and it will spread, and it causes other people to see God's joy in your life. And by the gift that he's given in you, people find the joy of the Lord. And I am uh, excited to see what God's doing in her. We're going to get into it today. Are you ready? Strap on those seat belts. We're going for it. It's going to be a good Sunday. I've been in preparation for this since the beginning of our... Um, series of why do we do what we do which honestly it has been one of my favorite i'll tell you why um because this is really been talking about why do we gather why are we together what do we why do we do what we do and when we answer some of those questions that we may or may not have asked some of us have been raised in the church like myself and we just have a, a, a we kind of have done church for such a long time we, we know what we're doing, we just don't really know why we're doing them. So it answers some questions of, why do we raise our hands? Why is that important to our faith? Why, what does that do? Is, is it really something that, that is a spiritual thing? And of course that is, and we uh, talked about altar calls. Why do we have altar calls? What is an altar? Is that just an Old Testament principle? Or is it something that was in the New Testament? Or is it something we do for ch church today? And of course, it's a heart issue between all of this. And the reason why I feel like this is one of our best series that we have done is because it elevates and it increases a awareness of worshiping in spirit and in truth. 
the more answers we have to the reasons why we worship or why we do what we do in our relationship to God, the more authentic and genuine our worship will be. So I have already seen and sensed and felt an increase of a genuine worship experience together on Sunday morning. And it's powerful, it's tangible, and I believe it's infectious. Why do we do what we do? Before I begin this particular topic today, I want us to open up because this is really quite the challenging sermon or message today. It's good, it's healthy. I haven't been excited to preach about this. I knew it was coming before we even started this series. And so I just want to give this over to God before we dive into this. God, I ask that you will just remove me out of the equation in this every Sunday. But God, today, I want your words to speak truth. Let it ring true in our minds and our hearts. Help Oh, Holy Spirit, to teach and instruct in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to be talking about an uncomfortable topic. It could be awkward and might seem uneasy for you. And I'll tell you, it's uneasy for me. And it's not that we're talking about gossip or sex or divorce or we're we're talking about um, anything else other than the issue of money. Money in the church bothers me this is a message where i'm going to get straight open and honest with you of where i'm at as a pastor I've, we've pastored this pastor this church for six years we've been in existence for six years almost i've preached on this topic once and i don't like it do you know why because there's been preachers there's been evangelists there's been, you've, we've seen it on, t- uh, on, on TV, on the radio, where tithing and offering has been used as a tool to brutalize Christians. Those who put their faith in God. It has been used as a tool to gain wealth for an individual or a church. And it's wrong. And it almost angers me and frustrates me. It's a sore topic for me, it really is. Because I see the body of Christ that is so precious. And Christians and believers, and when I look at you and I see the body of Christ, of how wonderful and loving it is, and being taken advantage of, bothers me. Almost outright enrages me, if I was to tell you the truth. Because they're taking a holy principle and they're making it unholy. Not everyone. For many people, the thought of church is <laughs> always after money. And I hate that because it's not. But if we're honest, which we are, that there's been a lot of problems with money and finances in the church in the past. There just is. And many church leaders have been guilty of misusing church funds. It's terrible. People have been mistreated and and victimized. And tithing. Tithing has been exploited and used 
to hurt people through false promises or through the condemnation of legalism. Tithing has been preached that if you want to be blessed by God, then you've got to purchase that. It's wrong. That is sinful preaching. It's really not a topic I want to talk about. But that's wrong of me. It really is because tithing is a biblical principle. And for me to neglect and ignore it is the easy route. And I apologize for taking the easy route because that's not healthy biblical preaching. It's not. And so I have failed because I have been intimidated by taking on a personification of someone else's wrong teaching. You know how hard it is to come up here and take on an identity of someone else and their incorrect teaching and brutalizing people. I don't want that. I don't want to be seen by that. I don't want to preach that. I don't want to be identified with that in the least bit. But at the same time, it's incorrect for me to bring up a topic such as tithing or giving to God. So we have to meet somewhere in the middle. I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that tithing is about money and that's wrong. Tithing has nothing to do about money, but has everything to do about your heart. God says that. That the purpose that you give is because it's a reflection of the abundance of the perspective of what you have already received from God. Tithing is scriptural. And there's a lot that God says about giving back to God. But it's always back to the heart. It's the heart. And I'm going to repeat this over and over again today. That it's going to be drilled into you. That tithing and offering and giving is a heart issue. And God wants your heart. I have three principles of why tithing is directly applied and related to our heart. And how it's beneficial for our heart in our relationship with God. That's where this all stems from. Is a heart. Before I get into the three principles. There's five principles. Three principles of why you should give. I have five principles of why you should not be giving. That's right. Up here. I'm going to give you five reasons why you shouldn't be giving. Don't tithe. If number one. If it's just for show or appearance. If you're giving to God because you want to keep up with the Joneses or if that's what's something you want to look like a good Christian, stop giving. God doesn't want it. We don't either. We don't want show. We want show taken out of the church setting. We just don't want it here. This is a heart issue. This is not a look at me issue. Number two, do not tithe if you're doing it solely just for the return. If you're giving tithe and saying, okay, I need more, more of God's blessings. I'm going to tithe so I can have more of that. That's an incorrect thinking. We do not victimize God. Number three, you're not to tithe if you're trying to earn or buy your way into heaven. That's not how it works. The grace of God is free. 
and it's in Jesus Christ alone. He paid it. He paid for salvation, not your wallet. Do not tithe if you resent giving it. Don't do it. If your heart is saying this is stupid, this is dumb, I don't want to do this, this is terrible. I don't know why you would give in that attitude anyways. But if you're resenting giving, if you're resenting tithe, don't give. Keep it for yourself. Number five, don't tithe to use it as an intimidation or a way to push your agenda in the church. That's incorrect, that's false, and that's sinful. These are areas where the heart is in the wrong place. And God does not want your money. He wants your heart. I remember the first time that I, would, I learned the principle of tithing, I was young, very young. Eight, maybe even younger. This is the, the age of Jackson. And I remember we went to a, a, a kid's camp. And I think it was about three or four days my dad was the counselor at this, and so um, he was there with me. He gave me 20 bucks to, for the whole week to buy on concessions, right? Typically at camps, you have a concession stand. You can buy candy and all the junk food that you want to get outside of your uh, meals that you have at camp. And so I had 20 bucks, which as a kid was like $100. It w- I never had that much money before in my life. It was just like, I can't believe I've got this. He gave it to me. And... Um, my dad had the intention for, you know, just buying some treats and blessing me. And I remember there was Dr. Pepper at the concession stand. I waited and waited in line. And the line was long. Finally got up to the front. And I bailed out because I didn't want to spend the 50 cents to buy the Dr. Pepper. I was like, can't spend the money. This is too valuable. And then I thought, okay, well, there's a fireball. I really want a fireball. True story. I wait in line the next time, day maybe. And I, I get all the way to the front. And I'm ready to put that $20 bill to buy this 10-cent fireball. I couldn't do it. I couldn't part with the 20 bucks to buy the fireball because I was saving it so much. But by the end of the camp, much like what we do here with kids, we raise money for missions in BGMC. Um, an offering went around uh, for us to preach, uh, to talk about the principles of giving. And I had this 20 bucks. There's no way I'm giving that. I, uh, you know, my dad says, hey, listen, you're going to be giving that, you know, a portion of that to uh, this offering to missions. And the attitude of me was so thick, right? I mean, I, Dad, what are you thinking? <laughs> this, this is my money. You don't know how frugal I've been. You don't know how hard it was to save this. You don't know what I've passed up on to keep this. And he says, that, you better remember where that came from. Now, my dad, I kind of, I knew he was serious about that. He, you know, it's, that was his. That taught me an important lesson that the money that I have is none of it's mine. Not one penny is mine. Nothing I have. No amount of talent that I have is from my own. No amount of strength that I have is nothing that I have been given to myself. No amount of knowledge that I have is nothing that I have obtained all by myself. Everything that has been given has been given by God. And that was a difficult lesson for me to learn as a kid. But probably one of the most important lessons that I learned was that, hey, you better remember where that came from. He taught me a perspective of giving to God with the heart, which is already His. God wants our heart. And the heart is the perspective of a healthy, biblical 
perspective, not a man's perspective, not your perspective, but a biblical perspective of the heart and where all things come from. And specifically talking about tithe and offering and giving, there is many passages, but one of the best passages comes from 2 Corinthians. And this is talking about the issue of the heart. And it says this, 2 Corinthians 9, each man should give what he has already decided in his heart to give. Man, what you've already decided in your heart between you and God. This is a heart connection. God, what do you want me to do with what you have given with me? Don't let any man pressure you. Freely and not under pressure or compulsion as God loves the cheerful giver who's willing. This is a tough topic, but I believe that God is instructing us about the heart of why do we do what we do? Why do we pass that awkward white bucket around? Because there's an opportunity that we don't want you to miss for your heart. It truly is a heart connection. I want to say that it's not always easy to give, right? So this isn't saying, okay, decide in your heart what's easy. It's not what it's talking about. In fact, Paul even says, you know, about the sufferings that will happen. Count that at all, as joy. When we share in the sufferings of Christ. I think sometimes we think of cheerful as easy. That's not what that's meaning. I think that God is challenging us in areas that is hard to let go. In the number one area that is the most difficult to let go is money. Money is not bad. Money is not evil. I will never preach that money is evil. Jesus didn't preach that money is evil. He didn't say that the money, that money is evil. But the heart behind money is rooted in all kinds of evil. Money is not bad. Being rich or wealthy is not wrong. There should be nobody that is condemned for having a, a healthy savings account, a healthy retirement account. You should count that as a blessing from God. And you should recognize that that is from God. And it's a good thing that he has given to you. And we shouldn't preach that that's a bad thing. Jesus never calls Christians or pastors to be poor. He just never did. So I want to identify three areas of biblical tithing that promotes a healthy or healing heart. You ready for healthy or healing heart? This is where we come to the heart, the principles of why we give, why we pass that bucket around, what the opportunity is for you to benefit from this. This is about you, your God, your relationship with him, a healthy, healing heart. Number one, biblical tithing is about giving God your first and not last. Now, there's some practical applications in this, but scripturally, this is the fruit, first fruits. Proverbs 3, 9. You will read first fruits a lot in through scripture. And it's this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. Your first fruits. First fruits was a Jewish feast that was held in the early spring of the beginning of the year. It was observed on the third day after Passover, which is an interesting time frame, right? With Passover. Uh, where they would give thanksgiving to God for his provision not that the, the, just that the fruits were coming and the crops had made it this far, but for what was about to come. And today we use a different scale other than grain or fruits or 
cattle or sheep or livestock to scale our uh, wealth as they did then. Um, it's just in a little bit different way, but the, the principle is still the same. God should never be second to your possessions. God does not want to be second to your positions. Possessions. Although I would say that money does sometimes equate to how we feel that our position in life is. Money is by far the biggest idol in our world. Money is the biggest idol that we face. It's what we find our hope in. Retirement's not bad, but if that's what you put your hope in, that's incorrect. If retirement is replacing your hope in God, if you have a greater, greater hope in the future because of how big your retirement is, there's something that needs to be in check. God needs to be before what our savings is. Money is a big challenge. It's ingrained in our culture. It's ingrained some, from when we were beginning. It's ingrained in us. God wants to transform our perspective. He wants to renew our mind. He wants us to think about kingdom mindset, not earthly mindset. Where's our value? Is it in the bank account? Where do we, what do we rely upon? God or is it the income? Is it that what we trust in? How, is money how we determine our stability? Is that what we have our confidence in? Our value in who we are? Our worth? Is money what calms our fears through the unknown? When an unknown comes right into our doorstep, is it money that determines our steps of action? I don't have enough money to make this decision. Or is it God that says, I want you to decide based upon what you see in me and not in this? And it's in those words, those that we begin to see a definition of the heart when it becomes uh, right in front of us. We see the words hope, assurance, faith, trust. God says, I don't want to be second to that. And the only way to have the right perspective is to make sure you know where your master lives. Who controls you? Giving God your first puts the master in the right perspective. The heart begins to understand who's in control. It puts the finances in their rightful place. Here's some practical advice about first fruits. Katie and I, when we were first married, um, I said this in the first message and i was debating whether i should say it in the second one because it might be revealing a little bit too much about me but our first no when we were married i had a job when we were on our first date i was giving plasma remember um (laughs) when we were married on our wedding day i did not have a job i did not have any source of income so you know kudos to barry for not just pushing me out the window and get out of here with my daughter because I don't think I'd be as nice. Some boy that comes along with uh, Joey and wants to marry her, he better have a job, you know. It better not be like me. I didn't have a job, but I got a job on my wedding day. True story. I found a job. I'm a man, you know, who honors his wife. <laughs> I got a job making $7 an hour spreading gravel for Gravel Masters. It was the worst job I've ever had in my life. It was 
tough work. It was where a gravel uh, truck would come and dump 15 tons of gravel and say, here you go, here's a shovel and wheelbarrow, spread this out into uh, the foundations of houses. It, w- it was middle of summer, it was hot, it was hard work. And um, we were, uh, you know, attending church together, of course. My dad was pastoring in Kaysville, and, and it was at the end of the month, and I said, we haven't tithed. Uh, in fact, it may have been a couple months. Uh, it was just a principle. I thought, you know, we need to be doing this. We need to honor God with our finances. And our bank account was zeroed out. It, we just didn't have money to give tithes. And Katie knew that. She said, are you crazy? You can't do this. We're going to go into the overdraft. And I said, listen, my parents have lived by faith. They, they, they know about the principle of God and giving to God first. And then he's going to, he's going to bless you. He's going to provide that miracle for you. There's going to be a miracle that's going to happen on our bank account. I just know it. So I took that check and we prayed over it and gave our tithe and put it into the offering. And the next day, you know what happened? We received an overdraft charge. We did, and that was a test of faith because I operated foolishly on the last fruits instead of the first fruits. You see, what I was doing is I was giving what was left over even though there was nothing. But God is saying, if you give what's first, I'm going to sustain, I'm going to protect, and I'm going to give you an abundance. Give God what's first. Why? Because He deserves the first. He deserves the best. Why? Because He gave you his first and his best. He will meet your needs. And he did for us. When we learned this principle of giving God first, we didn't have it, right? The budget doesn't account for that, but we gave that first. What would happen? Opportunities over time. Uh, There was opportunities of work. There were side jobs. Uh, There was a a promotion, a pay raise, a new job. All these things began to roll over because of the beginning. It didn't make sense, but God would provide the miracle in the process but i had to begin to say god i'm putting you first before my fears before the uncertainty i'm going to trust you first and he made a way every time god deserves our first not our seconds and god will provide for you in new ways secondly what tithing does for us and giving our financial resources over even though it's difficult it is very very important for us that god uh, biblical tithing creates a spirit of generosity an important attribute of the believer of a christian we should be known by our love and our love is generous there's no such thing as a greedy disciple It just doesn't work. It's oil and water. Somebody tried that once and he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Money became more important, more invaluable than Jesus did. 30 pieces of silver was equivalent of $600, enough to buy a nice suit. The only way to neutralize selfishness is giving part of ourselves away. And let's face it. Money is a part of ourself. It's every day we use it. It's the, it, we work for it. We save it. We spend it. We 
we, we buy our food with it. We, we pay our bills with it. This is a part of our who we are, part of our DNA. So when we give, we are, you are giving a part of yourself over to God. It's just the way that it is. And when you give that to God, He blesses you with what? His Spirit. His Spirit of generosity. And so then when giving comes, you become to have His Spirit of generosity and you begin to be a cheerful, willing giver. And you get to reap the benefits of knowing that God is placing a new spirit inside of you. Not one of greed or selfishness, but of abundance and selflessness. When we give, God gives us a spirit of generosity. And the spirit of generosity births into a new attitude. And that attitude is gratitude. It's, it's virtually impossible to have an ungrateful, generous person. Generous people, by nature, are extremely grateful for what they have. They have learned this because of giving away. And God just begins to open their eyes to see how much they have to give away. It's just one of those things. Have you noticed that the people who really um, aren't grateful a lot of the times are the ones who hold on to things the most? It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. You can't ever get enough of what's theirs. And so it creates a heart that is ungrateful. God wants to protect us from that. And he allows us to have opportunities to gain a generous spirit and a grateful attitude not for anything else but then seeing in perspective of what god has given you and your eyes begin to see of how much you've truly been blessed and god will do that in your heart and a generous christian is a grateful christian who has the joy of the lord and we know that by the people that we see the generosity it protects the heart, does it not? Generosity, it protects the heart probably better than anything else. Vice versa, it's holding on to things that will rob our hearts and cause us to have an attitude that is unhealthy. God wants us to have a healthy perspective and attitude towards giving of ourselves. Ravi Zacharias, one of my favorite preachers, he's an apologist. Uh, preacher and he's an, an intellect and he's a, a masterful storyteller and if you ever haven't ever listened to Ravi Zachariah Ravi Zacharias preach man I encourage you to go look him up and uh, subscribe to his podcast you will benefit from that but he has this to say in this story so one day a boy had a bag of marbles and proposes a trade with a girl who has a bag of candy the girl gladly agrees but as soon as the boy gets his marbles out, he realizes that he just can't bear to part with some of them. And rather dishonestly, he takes three of his very best marbles and hides them under his pillow. The boy and the girl, they make the trade, and the girl never knows that, he's, that he has cheated her. But that night, while the girl lays fast asleep, the boy has no peace whatsoever, and he's wrestling. And he's wide awake and pondering a question that nags him all night long. I wonder what candy she's kept for herself. See, a generous Christian is really a healthy Christian. It's a healthy heart. And a healthy church is a generous church. And I want to pause and I just want to say, this message is not because you're not giving. This is not because we're not a healthy church. We're a healthy church. And I'm so honored to be a part of a, a healthy, giving church. This is outside of this. 
There's nothing wrong with our bank account. In fact, God has blessed us more this year than he ever has. Um, and, and God has uh, been amazing in this area. And, and, but this is uh, just speaking of, about what God says to us biblical principles. So I wanted to just kind of say that. I wanted to say that earlier, but I missed that. Number three, biblical tithing. Biblical tithing means this, and I think this is really, really important for us to see. And I think that sometimes we miss this even when we do give. But when you tithe biblically, you get to become the blessing. See, the heart of giving is not so that you will receive the, the, the blessing, but you will in actuality become the blessing. When you give, you get to share in everything that's going on. And let's be honest. When people say that churches don't need money, that's, that's incorrect. Churches do. We, we operate here. There's, there's budgets and ministry. Ministry costs money. It just does. I wish that the power company, Rocky Mountain Power, would call and say, hey, you're a church, and hey, we just want to let you know that because you're a church, we're not going to charge you for your power. Your electrical bill, it's just zeroed out. That doesn't work. I wish it would. I wish the government would say, hey, you're a, you're a, a, a faith, you're a church. We're just going to provide land and property for you for free because, hey, we, th- we think this is valuable in our country. They don't do that. As much as I wish that they would, they don't. And it just costs money to be able to operate. So when you're giving, this is allowing ministry to happen. I'll tell you right now, because of your faithfulness, ministry is being carried out. And you get to be a part of the blessing that is happening in people's lives. You are the blessing. Let me tell you how. Every time someone raises their hand for Jesus Christ to come into their life for the very first time, you share in that blessing. And you become the blessing. How? Because that person gets to know Jesus. And they receive, a, receive Jesus as the Lord because of you. You were that blessing. You became the opportunity. You became the words that were preached. You know how far my voice will be able to be heard without this microphone? Not very far. You know how long my voice would last? Not very long. Because of this microphone, more people are able to be heard. When people get to hear the message of Jesus, because of your giving, this is making an impact in people's hearts. You become that blessing. The idea that we are gathering here together is a blessing. God doesn't need your money. It's true. He wants your heart. But the church as the entity, as we gather, which is a biblical scriptural entity for us to gather together, we need to be in agreement and share and giving our heart. And we operate out of healthy giving. And you are a blessing. Let me tell you, this church is a blessing to our community. We could not do those events that we do at the, in the park. It costs us thousands of dollars. Did you know that? We invest thousands of dollars into the community. We have an idea. We have a principle here that we shouldn't just wait for people to come to us. There are so many people out there outside those church walls. And I think that God has called us to go out and meet them where they're at. We don't care 
whether or not they want, they want to identify with New Life Northview. We have a message that says, hey, we're going to share these movies with you. We're going to give these popcorn, this popcorn and cotton candy. We want you to know that we are just making ourselves available. And I'll tell you, this year alone, we don't see that much of a return of people. But because of us being faithful and reaching out to the community, we are seeing more people than ever. Because they're saying, hey, we know that, that you're a church. And we, we've been coming to the movies at the park for three years. And we've just been here now. We've been seeing that more and more and more because of the faithfulness of you being able to go out into the community, out into the world, and meeting people and saying, hey, we don't want anything from you. We just want to love on you. This is who we are. If you ever need, it, need us, this is where we're at. Abdullah met him in the first service today. Uh, he, he, he was born in Morocco, raised his, his entire life as a Muslim. He moved to Dubai. He came here. He accepted Christ as his, as his Lord and Savior. The life-transforming work. Satan came in and there was destruction happened all around in his life. But, but meeting and talking to him today, he says, I still believe that Jesus is Lord of my life. There's chaos happening in his life right now, but he's still trusting in Jesus out of the Muslim faith. Hearts are being transferred. Gentlemen here, 70s, 80s, said, I was raised in church, but I never knew that you needed Jesus. First time he came and said, I need Jesus. I prayed with him on the spot. Every time somebody comes to the altar, I want, to, I want you to hear the heart of this. But every time somebody comes to the altar, every somebody down here, I hope you're seeing that you're sharing the blessing that's happening here. Because without this, without you, this isn't happening. God moves in, in individuals' lives. I understand that. But together here, when we're together, the powerful thing is happening. The New Testament church is operating. We're sharing together. We're praying together. We're providing opportunities together. Every time that some kid learns a new Bible verse for the first time, you share in that. Every time that some teenager runs away from suicide and runs to God, you share in that. I'll tell you a story. Ruth Landon, she was about 90 years old. She may have been 89 years old. I was a dumb 20-year-old. We were just barely married. I didn't have, we didn't have money. There was a men's retreat that was in Colorado. I, was, uh, I wanted to go, just couldn't afford it. She didn't know I couldn't afford it. She came up to me and said, I want you to go to, to uh, men's retreat. And I just want to, I just want to, I feel like God's leading me to just pay your way. And I, I know I've shared this story before, but it is a pivotal point in our marriage. Marriage, life, my life, my life changed from this point on. She didn't know what was going to happen. She paid for me to go. It was only 100 bucks. I didn't have that, but she had it. She said, I'm just going to invest in you. She sent me on my way. My life changed from there. I'm in ministry now because of what happened at the men's retreat. Ruth Landon passed away years ago. She never saw me be a pastor. She never saw the fruit of that. She never saw anything. There are things that you're going to invest in, and you're never going to see the outcome of it, but God is speaking to people's hearts and changing people's lives, and you won't know until you get into heaven. I can't wait. I can't wait to get into heaven and see Ruth. And say, Ruth, there's so many people here who've got to know Jesus because of you. There's, because without people of influence like that, there are things that just won't be happening. You don't know what you are investing in most of the time. I will say that most of the time, the blessings are outside of your grasp to see. But there is some eternal work that is happening that is so far profound in people's hearts that it may take years for that to settle in. But there are, there are, are words that are being spoken now that the fruit won't come until after you're gone. 
Are you okay with that? With coming into heaven and meeting a stranger and said, I would not be in this place if it wasn't for you. Every Bible study where somebody news, learns a new principle about God, a new, new awesome uh, a word from God, you share in that. The idea is that you become the blessing when you give. The chair that you're sitting in and the chair that somebody is sitting in, they are blessed because you share. Because you give. God uses your tithe and offering and does kingdom work. It's all about kingdom work. The chairs, the screen, the lights, these cool buildings, the investment of that is only a tool to reach people's hearts. And I'll say, it's been a good tool. Your investment here, when people come in here in these storage fronts, they're pretty ugly on the outside. When they come in, they're like, wow, I didn't know that it looked this nice in here. I believe that what we do in here represents God. I want to represent God. And I want to thank you for representing God well in this place. There's so many stories of heart change. Almost every single week that I'm hearing and seeing of people of heart change. Life transformation. It's happening all the time. I know you don't hear a fraction of that. And I wish I had permission from everybody to just share that. Have them share that with you. But know that, that God is doing some amazing. I want to say this word and I want, you to, I want it to settle into your heart. Mir- miracles. Straight miracles in people's lives, people's marriages, relationships, miracles. And you share in every single bit of that. Before uh, I close with this challenge, I had emailed our board members. It's a challenge that's specific, I believe, in us as a as a church body, to be challenged in this way. To give. In this challenge, as I was wrestling through this verse that comes from Malachi chapter 3, is one that stuck out in my mind and in our board members' minds I, as I approached them with this in, in unity. It comes from Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 this is bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there will be maybe food in my house test me in this says the lord and see if i will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it there's two things in here well there's more than two floodgate the floodgates the blessings are already there right the, the gate is something that is there and it's already provided there's something that's in the flow and when we are obedient to God, we give, that floodgate is opened and it begins to fertile, go out into the crops, right? He disperses that and is able to, to uh, see a greater harvest. That's what will happen in your life and our life. This is the floodgate, the floodgate of blessings. We don't like to think about God in this way, but in relationships, God talked a lot about marriage and the church, Jesus and uh, the church, uh, marriage, the bride. If we can picture this, a relationship, one relationship is not married, but they're acting like they're married. Another relationship is married, and they're acting like they're married. 
which one is going to receive a fuller blessing? The one who is obedient to being married under the covenant of God. The obedience allows for a greater pour, pouring of God. Here's the other thing. I think that many times we think the storehouse is us personally, our bank account. I don't know if that's necessarily true, although I wouldn't say that it's not true because I don't want to put God on a box, but I would say that the storehouse, when we read this, is us together. The heavens pour out so much blessing. There will not be room enough to store it. You know what I'm seeing here? I'm seeing a room where we don't have enough seats to store the harvest of what God is about to send. The harvest where we're going to be busting at the seams. You know what? We don't have enough room as it is. And it's almost like, God, we can't handle more. But He can. He will make the harvest. And we will, we will just be obedient. And He will bring it. He will do what He's going to do as we, could, we, as we continue to pursue Him. Secondly on this, is how does the blessings come? Many times I think that the blessings are, okay, what do I see? What's the increase? What's the increase? What's the increase? Where's that at, Lord? We don't see the increase. We begin to be frustrated. But I think that in tying in with this verse, we read just the second passage. We see blessings just a little bit different. And I hope that we can gain this perspective because it says in 11, it says, I will prevent. That's the blessing. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be delightful in the land, says the Lord Almighty. Twice, says the Lord Almighty, that he will protect you and he will sustain you. The fruit's going to hang on just a little bit longer. It's going to be there for you to enjoy. It's not going to drop off and rot. He's going to sustain you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to protect you as we give our first fruits over to him as our heart of generosity. He will bless you beyond what you could think. And many times we need to let God challenge us to think beyond of what we can see in the blessings. And how many times have we missed out on the protection and the provision and the sustainability of God and the miracle that he is doing in your life? Don't miss out on that. So as I was saying before, I uh, emailed the board. I said, well, I want us to be on the same page. There's a challenge I want to give to the church. This is specific for us. I feel like God has challenged us in a new way. And this is about the heart. And I want us to be able to step in there with him in the ring. So I sent that off and said, I'm not going to do this challenge if we're not 100% in agreement. We, we need to have complete unity when we approach the church this way. They all responded with an emphatic, yes, let's do this. Let's do this. I think it's going to be healthy for our hearts. Our hearts. And as a church. So here's the challenge. I challenge you, if you haven't been giving, if it's just too much for you, or if it's just a struggle, or you just haven't been um, disciplined to do that, if you haven't been giving, I'm going to challenge you for three months. Give regularly. Just give regularly for three months. And at the end of three months, you don't feel like you're satisfied. You get your money back 100%. You get a three-month money-back guarantee. How about that? God says, test me in this. And I think as his leadership, we're going to say, okay, God, we know 
that you're just going to come through. You're going to have you're, you're going to meet everybody's needs. You're going to do what you're going to do. And if you're not satisfied with it, let us know. We'll refund you 100 percent. If you don't see God increase in your life, it's yours. You can have it back. We're putting God to the test. We're just doing this biblically. We're not doing it in an angry way. We're not doing it in a provoking way. We're just saying, okay, God, you told us to do this. We're going to do this. And as our leadership, we're trusting God and saying, okay, we'll just put this in your hands. If that doesn't work, then it's going back. But we believe in faith that when we do biblical principles, he's just going to exceed our expectations. Here's two things I want us to tackle. Number one, if 10% is too much for you, you can't do it. The budget doesn't do it. I'm going to release you. Give a percentage that you feel like God is speaking to you, right? The beginning, let every person determine in his heart what he's to give between you and God. 10%, that's the healthy biblical model. But if you have, you can only do 2%, that's okay. If you can only do 1%, that's okay. If you can only do half percent, that's okay. The point is, if you bring a quarter and you've never bought anything, you bring a quarter every single week, God's going to bless you. And then you start from there. And then after a month, you're going to say, okay, man, I feel like God's challenging me to give 1%, 2%. Now I'm up to 5%. It may take you a year. I, I don't care. That's between you and God. The whole point is that this is a challenge for you to grow. You will benefit. I promise you, this is not for my benefit. This is, this is for your benefit. You will grow. Your faith will grow. Spiritually, you will grow. You will be protected. You will be blessed. Be blessed. But it's not why you're giving. You're giving because of a heart. The second thing I want to challenge is if you already give your 10%, I think you know where I'm headed. If it's already been 10%, you've been doing that for years, God just might be challenging you just in a little bit different way. You're a generous giver, and you've been committed to that, and God has blessed you, and that's, man, I'm honored, and, and that's a wonderful thing. But maybe God's just speaking to you and saying, Hey, you've been a generous, faithful giver for all these years. Now I'm going, I want, I'm going to challenge you to be extravagant. You're going to be extraordinary. I'm going to do extraordinary things in you and through you. You're going to reap a harvest because you've got the opportunity to be able to give. There's going to be a harvest that's waiting for you that's greater than you've ever even think, thought of. There's going to be opportunities that you've never seen before that here's, it's just going to come your way. See what I'm saying? Let's not worry so much about the number, tenth, is tithe is literally 10th but let's just focus on the heart where are you at determine that in your heart let god move you let god speak to you let's see what god does in this that's it three months i just give you a three month challenge three months regularly see what happens see where god's at see what your relationship does see what happens see what doors open see where the floodgates are because they will be there i'm just i'm just confident in god that way and it has nothing to do with the money But I believe us. So why do we do what we do? Because this is an opportunity for us to express our heart. I'm not going to give an offering invitation this time. You may have been thinking that. But I am going to give a challenge for this week. Just commit to praying. Let God just settle in your heart what he's speaking to. Not what I'm speaking. I'm not telling you a dollar amount. I'm, I'm not even telling you that percentage amount. I'm just telling you where you are at with God, what you can do, what he's challenging you, stretching you, what does that mean? Your relationship with God will grow, I promise you, as we continue to just pursue God in faith. It's a faith aspect. Amen? Let's stand together. I want to say as we close, thank you for allowing me
to speak a difficult message that I don't want to preach on. To preach a message that has been misspoken, a message that has hurt people, a message that has been used for sinful, selfish gain. I want to say thank you for allowing me the opportunity to do this together with you. And there's no guilt or condemnation here. But I believe in challenges that God presents in front of us. And I believe in Him speaking to you. And I'm just thankful that we can do this together. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to pray a blessing over you. I want to pray that God speaks to us. I want to pray a blessing over our church. Can we do that? God's already blessed us, but I think it's good that as a church family, we continue to seek after him. And I just want to pray just a release as we go forward this week. God, this is a difficult, just difficult message for me to preach. And I thank you for using my foolish words to speak your truths. Lord, I apologize and I am I repent for being intimidated by by those who have spoken non-biblical principles about this. I'm so thankful God for just a healthy church here at New Life North. I, I thank you for blessing us with so many wonderful, generous, God-fearing Christians that we are able to do so much. God, I ask that your blessings just be rained down upon them in new ways. So they begin to see, Lord, with new eyes, your, your, your blessings and protection and provision. Everything that we have, God, is yours. We commit our heart over to you as we seek you in a new way this week. Speak to our hearts, Lord, that uh, you are challenging us in this and that you will reveal yourself god we just are obedient to you and we thank you that um lord you have given us an abundance of what what we need and you've gone far beyond what we expected lord we give give you our hearts again today we just want to honor you and all that we have and all that we are and we love you and we submit to you in jesus name we say together amen amen Thank you. Thank you. God bless you and have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time.